0: As a fairly recent transplant to the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles, and as someone who relocated during the height of COVID, my immersion into this new extended family of faith has been predictably slow. But as is often the case, this circumstance also offered me some unexpected opportunities, which is exactly how I come to stand before all of you here this morning. My wife and I came to Los Angeles after I accepted the call to run the chaplaincy program at Harvard-Westlake, a private, independent high school located just 10 or so miles down the road from this parish. But the thread that connects me to St. James was sown well before my arrival to Southern California. Indeed, it is rooted in the very name of your congregation, St. James a member of Jesus's innermost circle, and in the end, a martyr whose legacy inexplicably became woven with mine. My first in-depth introduction to your patron saint came during a cocktail party of all things, held by the head of school of my former employer, a boarding school near Boston named Phillips Andover. I had arrived to this gathering just After being on campus a few days, I was green. I was shy. And I was painfully aware how animated the conversation was that surrounded me, something I experienced very much as the outsider that I was. It's hard, even when you're an adult, to be the new kid on the block. Luckily for me, one of the other attendees quickly came over and introduced herself. Within a few minutes, I had discovered she was from Cuba, was a member of the World Languages Department, and was also a person of faith. And when she discovered that I was the new minister, she launched into a lengthy diatribe about the Camino de Santiago, a 500-mile path that extends across the width of northern Spain, ending at the cathedral in Santiago, where, as lore would have it, the remains of St. James are believed to be interred. As a lifelong practicing Christian, I was embarrassed to admit I had never heard of the Camino. Well, that didn't last for long, and a handful of years later, I too would find myself on this same path walking hundreds and hundreds of miles toward that famed cathedral wondering how exactly this had become my new reality looking back on it perhaps i shouldn't have been so surprised in seminary i took the standard route of classes i studied scripture i meandered through centuries of church history and was introduced to the practicalities of liturgy. So it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to assume, then, that my strongest spiritual connection would be to our prayer book, or perhaps to the Bible, or presiding over weekly Sunday services. But if I'm being honest, none of those things were the most prominent tool of my own spiritual toolbox. No, it's something much more mundane and universal a practice I've relied upon for my whole life long. Salvatore ambulando, as St. Augustine once said, or it is solved by walking. I share this trait, of course, with countless others, many whose stories are recorded in our scriptures. The Israelites wandering in exile, the transformational moments of the Good Samaritan, the conversion of St. Paul, the return of the prodigal son, all incidences that took place on the side of a road somewhere as the protagonists were making their way from one place to another. Even Jesus himself striding into the desert for some forty days and forty nights with nothing but time and that expansive horizon to help him make sense of his life and his vocation and what was ultimately to come. When I shared this dream of mine of making the landscape of Spain the backdrop of my next stage in life, my friends and family were strangely unconcerned about my capacity to traverse the entire country, noting that stubbornness alone would likely provide me with enough fuel for the journey They were right, of course, but they did remain mystified as to why, why I would do such a thing. What sort of provocation could possibly have lured me into such a punishing crucible? Confused myself, I decided I would ask this same question to every pilgrim I met while on the path. Why? Why are you here? And much to my surprise, nearly all of them gave me the exact same answer. My heart is broken. My heart is broken. Some were in the throes of divorce. Some were grieving the death of a parent. Some longed to revive the relationship they once had with their children. Some had had their words shattered by alcohol or drugs. Some had lost a job, some were just lost. But the common thread remained this fervent belief that somehow the Camino could heal them and that through that act of walking, the painful and crippling portions of their life could somehow be exorcised out of their heart. And so I too began to consider if this were my truth as well. And the day I reached the apex of the trail, some 350 miles into the pilgrimage, these were the words I wrote in an effort to capture that transitional moment. When I was younger, I saw the world in black and white, right and wrong for me or against me. In those days, my confidence was frequently tinged with an exaggerated sense of self-righteousness. Oh, I had all the answers back then. I was vigorous, but not flexible, strong, but brittle. What I didn't fully appreciate back in my salad days were the countless ways in which I would grow stronger with age. I bend now. I play the long game. Like the very iron of the cross at which I knelt, I have been made more formidable by the impurities that mark my life. This morning's Gospel reading features a collection of broken souls. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. The pericope tells us that they have been waiting for years, for some decades, hoping they too could find healing. So Jesus, naturally, taking the bull by the horns, says to one of the men lying in the portico, do you want to be made well? Not do you want to have your troubles disappear. Not do you want to turn back the clock and have your life rewritten, no, just a simple direct question, do you want to be made well? When the traditional path to healing those soothing waters of the pool are rendered inaccessible to the man, Jesus claims his healing by saying simply, stand up, take your mat, and walk. So here's the question I'd like each of you to consider this Sunday morning. What if he actually meant it? What if we were to take him at face value? What if ambulation, walking, the act of moving through our world was the key to unlocking our wellness? Stand up, take your mat, and walk. Amen.